a sin bin, a send-off, and how could we not mention the return of Sonny Bill Williams? Let's take a look at what's on today's show. Following a six-year hiatus, SBW was back in the tricolours, but what's his worth to our game? Penrith and Parramatta prepare for a Battle of the West. Eels legend Peter Sterling joins us to discuss the square off. The Dragons' hunt for a head coach continues, but are they any closer to getting their man? While a send-off to Chad Townsend has the room divided. Twenty-five sleeps before the NRL Telstra Premiership Final Series kicks off. Not that we're counting or anything. Jamie Soward, Michael Chamis, and the great Peter Sterling will actually be joining us very soon to talk all things Parramatta Eels. But gents, just first, we'll rehash on the Warriors and the Eels game. The Eels just managed to seal the deal, 24-18. What were your thoughts out of a convincing, possibly 30 minutes from the Eels in the first half? Yeah, I didn't move the needle for me, that performance against the Warriors. I know the Warriors are a good side in, in form at the moment and trying really hard, but I think Brad Arthur would be concerned with some of the tries that are leaked and they're going to need to be better because you're comparing them not to the Warriors, you're comparing them to how the Roosters and Canberra game was on Saturday night, how Penrith have been playing and how the Melbourne Storm dismantled the Rabbitohs, uh, who were the form team of the competition. So uh, it didn't move the needle for me. They just need to be good when it matters and I don't, I just don't know in that first week of the finals. If they can get through that first week, get a week off and go through to the prelim, anything's possible. But if they lose that first week, they're in danger of going out the back door. If they were to go and play Melbourne this weekend and up at Suncorp or Sunshine Coast, where it will be in the first week of the finals, they're not beating Melbourne. Can we? I know we're talking about the Paramount Eels, but can we quickly talk about that incredible try from Chanel Harris-Tavita when he got the double, but that first one... Old dreamy eyes. <laughs> oh my I gosh. Love I love Chanel Harris David and I'm so glad to see him playing first grade. I think that that's a, a huge step into why they've been so good. Cody Nicarima looks like he's been freed up a little bit, and Chanel Harris David has been fantastic. Well, Todd Payton, I know that his congratulations to Todd Payton taking that Cowboys gig, but he did say that Chanel Harris David is the future of the Warriors. And when he's playing like that and off the back of Roger Tuovasashek, it's, it's fantastic to see that he's not holding all the responsibility because all the responsibility was always on Roger. It's nice to see see the team building around. Yeah, that's exactly right. And for so long, they've relied on Blake Green to put them into corners and be that experience out there. But now these two young guys in Nicarima, who's an experienced first grader, and now Chanel Harris-DeVita have to step up to provide Roger Tuovasa-Shek with opportunities. So I think it was fantastic. Absolutely. And we did see the controversial sin bin that Sorjaz Tavanga sent for 10. Um, I'll get your reaction next, gents. But firstly, Graham Annesley did uh, give us his response. Here's what he had to say. The rules interpretations make it very clear that striking is, is a reason why you can be sent to the sin bin. So there's no question that being sent to the sin bin was an option for the match officials. Do I think that that incident was serious enough to go to the sin bin? I think probably not. I think it's only fair that everyone accepts their share of the responsibility. And the players have a responsibility. If they want to win games, they want to put themselves in contention, then they ha also have a responsibility not to place the officials in a position where they force them to make decisions that might negatively affect them. The best way that we could have avoided this is that Jazz doesn't do what he did. Then no one's talking about it. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case and everybody's talking about it. And we've even seen a few players um, react to talk about how soft our game is turning. Jamie? 
Yeah, agree. And the frustrating for me out of, the thing for, out of that was that Graham Annesley disagrees with the decision of the referee. So where's the lack of communication, the understanding that there? I think it was very, very soft in a game that's heated. These two guys were going at it. You know, what's a little bit of drama and theatre is what we love in our game. And that matchup yesterday was fantastic. Yeah, a penalty. But play on because the next hit up from Nathan Brown would have been Jazz Devanga coming for him. So soft, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that's a, a sim binning any day of the week, to be honest with you. And uh, Graham's got it right there. But in big moments, players can't. Uh, look, in that situation, the way Nathan Brown reacted, it could have been completely different for the Eels. In a big game, Nathan Brown, I know they got the, the right end of it there, but Nathan Brown, he's got a reputation for reacting. He can't afford to do that because sometimes it's not a penalty. It might not be deemed worthy of a penalty, and he could cost the Eels dearly, especially in in the pressure cooker games at the end of the season. So I, I agree, it's it's a penalty. Move on. But my frustration with it is, in a grand final, that could cost the team two points. Yeah, that that's fine. It could cost the team twelve points in a in a grand final where you're down to twelve players just because of that. That, that in a grand final, that's getting let go. We're all in a grand set, yeah. sure. In Origin, no in Origin, not even a penalty. Yeah, you can't have. Do, and then all we hear all year is, "I'll oh, be ref the same during the year as we do in the finals." Well, no, you don't, because it'd be different. So, yeah, it was. I just think we we're robbed of a, a bit more of emotion in that game. I thought it was soft. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And you talk about Nathan Brown. We'll get to more of the Parramatta Eels now. And one man who's on the line who can talk all thing Parramatta Eels is the legend himself, Peter Sterling. Thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. No worries. Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, Sterlo, I, um, I heard you mentioned in your game review that this was the most important win for the Parramatta Eels. Are you convinced that they really are the real deal in 2020? No, I'm not convinced, but they're well placed. And at the beginning of the season, if you'd have said to Parramatta and the supporters that they'll finish in the top four, uh, you'd have taken that every day of the week. And I think that the win over the weekend, putting them four clear of the Canberra Raiders, it hasn't ensured that, but it's, it's a giant step towards uh, finishing that top four. And I am one of those people who believe you have to finish top four, as history has shown, to win the competition. I saw some positives out of this game for Parramatta, especially after the fairly insipid performance against South Sydney of the week earlier and the fact that there was so much riding on this game. Stella, what would convince you that Parramatta are the real deal? You said you're not quite convinced yet. A few weeks ago, uh, Gus said on 100% footy that they just didn't have it under the shirt, that, that they were soft. Do you tend to agree that it's not so much what they have in roster, but what they have upstairs that's going to determine whether they can win the comp this year? Yeah, I wouldn't call them soft. I think that you know, they, they play with a lot of effort and they're a very, very physical team. So, you know, they're far from soft. But if you have a look through matches this year, when they really needed to pull on the kind of resilience that's t that, that is needed in that final month, they have been found wanting. Uh, you remember back to the Roosters game where they played some great football to get in front. As soon as they got in front, they got overrun in that final 20 minutes. They led the Canberra Raiders with five minutes to go and conceded 12 late points. And, um, you know, even the Canterbury game, they led 18-0. The Bulldogs got back to 18-16 and only hung on to win that game. So uh, when they're in the ascendancy, they've got to really make sure that they make that count and, and don't allow the opposition back in. A lot of the positives out of the weekend, guys, were there was a much better understanding of what was needed defensively. I've had a real problem with Parramatta players racing out of the line to try and solve the problem on their own and invariably missing stopping the football, and that's a cardinal sin. Uh, but I thought on the weekend we saw more going up, holding, sliding when needed, and actually using the sideline as an extra defender, and that was much better. Look, Mitchell Moses went to the line 
uh, much more, and that was something that Mitch had to do and to try and stamp his authority on the game, and I thought he did that quite well. And I thought we got a little bit more out of Reed Marnie out of dummy half. In fact, if you have a look at the first two tries that Parramatta scored, uh, he was key in both of them. Yeah, the first one with Mike Acevo engaging the markers, and then for the Jay Field try, uh, going out of dummy half and putting Clint Gutherson through. So I thought there were some real improvements from the week before, but there are still improvements needed. Sterlow, their attack's been under the microscope since Mitchell Moses has come back from injury. This week, they will be tested from the Penrith Panthers. How much are you looking forward to that clash between Nathan Cleary and Mitchell Moses? Oh, I'm looking forward to clashes all across the park. Uh, Sowie, I, I think a big one too will be Wonga Blake and Stephen Crichton. If you look back to the first meeting this year, it was Wonga Blake who stood up Stephen Crichton on, on two occasions. And in that 10-minute period, that there were the three tries for Parramatta to win that game. But certainly the halfbacks will play a major role here. I don't think we've seen a better number seven consistently in 2020 than Nathan Cleary. Uh, plays at great tempo, um, and, and that's, you know, for a halfback, that's the, the balance that you're trying to find. Playing fast when you need to play fast, slowing the game down when you want that to happen as well. Um, throw in a great kicking game and a real body presence about him. Like, I, I love halfbacks who have great body language because that's infectious through the team. So, um, yeah, the, the, the number seven battle will be fantastic, but I think there's some great battles all across the park. Sterlo, just uh, one man that we were talking about briefly before you came on was Nathan Brown, and he seems to be absolutely terrorising his opposition. What do you make of his form this year? He's been fantastic. Uh, when the needed, it's invariably been known put his hand up, and you know, he plays body. Uh, I, I love the fact that we probably haven't seen enough of it in three weeks. But he's got a sidestep and nice in him. And when you put those together, that, that can be a really dangerous proposition because he brings the ball back at such speed. If players can follow him up on the inside and outside, there's actually opportunities around him. So I think Nathan Brown has been a real success story. And I, I think it's coaching from Brad Arthur. If you remember Nathan, he was pretty much off the back fence with no subtlety whatsoever. Uh, he's really up since then. And, uh, you know, he's been a leading light for the club this season. Stella, there's been, I've heard today that Reid Marnie may not be as worst, uh, as bad as first feared. Can you talk about the impact if Reid Marnie doesn't play this year? Because they haven't got too many options in the hooker role to, to replace him in the coming weeks. Well, I've got everything crossed. I've got everything crossed that Reid Marnie will be OK because it's the one area that we have depth. That was the concern earlier this year and... We actually escaped through that uh, COVID period where Reid Marnie actually got injured early in the season mm. and would have been on the sideline for a, a lengthy spell, but that was the game when the hibernated. Uh, Stone is the, the player who would come in if Reid wasn't there. Uh, I love him as a player. He's a tough individual. He's got a tremendous sense about him, but a specialist dummy half. So Reid Marnie's uh, chances is vital, especially when you can see that it probably won't be a Dylan Brown a long period of time as well. So, sorry, we think we're, you're hopping in and out with the internet connection there, so I won't hold you up for too much longer, but um, just quickly, what, how do you see this one playing out? A tip? I know you're probably going to go para. Uh, yeah, look, my head, one thing, my heart probably said the other. Um, I'd love to win this one, but the Panthers, it's just chink in their armour. They're obviously relishing the run that they're going, they, they're having a moment. Um, so, you know, Parramatta will need to improve again, but 
the the team that has been received here could make it two in a season uh, in a normal confidence builder for the Eels as well. So uh, I think the Penrose should be favoured to win it. Fighting off Parramatta, I think that they'll go there fairly confident after what was a much improved performance last weekend in, in a number of areas. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm pretty sure I've pieced together what you were saying there. It was Para with your heart and Penrith with your head. It was going in and out, but we appreciate your time so much. Of course, everyone can catch that game live on Channel 9. Sterling, thanks so much again. Appreciate it. Have a good evening, guys. <laughs> you too. Catch you later. Peter Sterling there, that one live on Channel 9 on Friday night. Battle of the West, gents. It's going to be absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, he brought up some good points there. Mm. He's pretty much, I mean, I know he's in and out, but he's just talking about... Parramatta's resolve, you know, they are the only team to beat Penrith and you think about how they were going at that time of the year. They went into half-time 10-0 down, it was all Penrith and they just hung in there. We haven't seen that from, from Parramatta since. We've seen some inconsistent performances. Last week they got wrestled by the South Sydney Rabbitohs, so maybe both teams are looking for this top four clash. Yeah, I'm not writing Parramatta off just yet. I, look, they'll go into this, obviously, the underdogs and rightly so, but... I just think all the talk around Parramatta that they just can't do it, that they're soft and all, and all this noise around them may actually ignite something in Parramatta that they have been missing all season. If they don't put in a performance this weekend against Penrith, write them off, they're I'll, gone. I'll tell you the one thing early to look for in this game. If, if the edges come up with a mistake or a blunder and Cleary and, and Jerome Luai are able to expose them early, the edges, it's going to be a long night for Parramatta. You're pointing to your paper with all your notes on it and yes. um, I don't know if we can quickly show a close-up no. of that, but it's Jamie's signature <laughs> all over his piece of paper for all of his notes. I love that. <laughs> we'll get to some more NRL news and Michael, um, St George Illawarra Dragons, what's the update there? Are they going to close in on a head coach within 24 hours? It doesn't look that way, Katie. You never know. But the Dragons obviously had three people on the shortlist they interviewed last week. They interviewed um, Dean Young, they interviewed Anthony Griffin and they interviewed Dave Ferner. Now, there's a board meeting going on as we speak with the Dragons and they decide whether or not to appoint a coach. They need a unanimous decision to appoint the coach, to appoint Paul McGregor's successor. All indications are that they're not quite there yet. Not everyone on the board is convinced in one person, whether that's Anthony Griffin or Dean Young. So this may drag out, drag out a little bit longer, Sowie. And I don't know if Dean Young has done himself any favour. If, if he had won the last two games, perhaps that was a strong enough case to mount that Dean Young should be the next coach because reality is there, there isn't a wealth of options out there for the Dragons. So Dean Young could have put himself in the box seat if he just managed to drag those wins against the Titans and Cowboys, but they've come up short. Are, are you convinced that Dean Young is the answer or would you go in a different direction? I think the sample size for Youngie, yeah, having played with him, is, is probably a little bit short. I think that what we saw... Yeah, that, that performance against the Titans for me was at home was really, really poor. I was there firsthand watching it and I just couldn't believe that that team had turned up like that with their season still on the line. And then last night, it's always a tough trip up North Queensland. You go up there on game day now, they're in the game. But they, they seem like a team at the moment that just invites another team to come and beat them. So I think the sample size for Young is really, really small at the moment. He's obviously got some some uh, deep roots in the club there with obviously his playing career and his father and that there so I think it would be out of him and Anthony Griffin. But you're close to Anthony Griffin, you obviously work with him, yep. a colleague on, on 2GB, what, what convinces Anthony that he's the right man for the Dragons? Because no doubt you would have had some conversations with him. Yeah look, I think Anthony's going to make sure that they're super fit, mm. he's going to come in and make sure they're super fit and he's not hard, he's not um, 
too big to make the big decision. Yeah, when he moved me on from Penrith, it was a decision so that Nathan Cleary could blossom into the player that he was now. So he had to, he's not afraid to make the tough decisions. If he's got an underperforming player in the squad, he drops them and makes sure that there's people coming through. So all those youngsters that you've got out at Penrith now, he and Gus are a big part of bringing those guys through. Stephen Crichton doesn't just jump up from nowhere and start playing footy. He's been in the system. Anthony Griffin was blossoming those guys to be able to come through. Jerome Luai was there when I was there, debuting in, in Canterbury Cup New South Wales. So um, I think he would bring the youngsters through at the Dragons, as Dean Young may do as well. But um, I'd, I'd say it'd be out of those two. Gents, I'm more intrigued as to why they can't come to an agreement on who they want to be coached. That, that's the big thing, because the Dragons right now, I don't think they're a championship team, but they're definitely a finals team. And they need to make a decision as a board. As it, the longer this goes, you miss out on key signings and maybe some astute signings with their budget as well because they've got some money there with no Tyson Frizzell next year. They need to make some tough decisions. The longer this goes, you may miss out on a couple of those gems which takes your team from a top six team to a top four team and, and starting to compete for a championship. So I hope they get a decision soon. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to a few more of the headlines. And, Michael, you had in the Sydney Morning Herald today uh, news out of West Tigers. There's potentially an extension for Michael Maguire. But first, there was the big headlines about uh, Russell Packer and Josh Reynolds leaving the game at halftime. They basically just missed the epic comeback against Manly. But what can you tell us about that? Yeah, the club spoke to Josh and uh, Russell over, uh, last night and again today. Look, the players are disappointed and they know, that they know they've let the team down. They know they've done the wrong thing. And there's no way of shortcutting what they did. What they did was wrong and they know that. Now, how big it is and how disappointing it is, I don't know if it reflects more at the moment of the, the discontent and the murmurs amongst the playing ranks towards the things that are happening at the club. Uh, it's, it's uncharacteristic, at least for Josh Reynolds, who's someone that it leads culture at that club and I know he's had a, a rough trot over the last two or three years but this is definitely out of character so look they, they didn't have to be there they didn't have to stay obviously not a good look to leave but this isn't the first time a, a Tigers player hasn't turned up to a game when they're not playing all season they don't have to be there perhaps that needs to be looked at from a club level that everyone who's not playing needs to be there to support their teammates. Have you got something to say? Oh personal decision. Yeah, they made the wrong decision to leave at half-time. They would have... Inside the playing group is probably where you heard it the most, but not, a, a non-story for me. Get on with it. The Tigers are going to miss the eight this year. That's a more concerning story for the West Tigers. I is, it, is it a non-story, though? It's a story, it's though, a story given the talk around nah. Michael Maguire and the dressing room and the relationship with players. It, it reflects poorly, given all the talk at the moment. It just adds to the narrative. Yeah, but it's it's obviously covering up that they're missing the eight. That's the big issue for me. You got to be able, if if the culture's strong within that, then Michael Maguire deals with that personally. But the the culture is not strong there at the moment. The West Tigers. We saw what happened last week. They mishandled the Benji Marshall situation, but you know the player leaks and all that kind of stuff. There's not a strong culture there at the moment. This just shows it all together that you know if they feel like they've let the players, it's just I don't think it's a huge story for me. I would have stayed. I know that a lot of players would have stayed, but if they're not, if they didn't have to be there, would it be? A, would it have been a story if they didn't go at all? Would no. we have? No, known? it wouldn't have been. Right. Yes, so. but it's the fact that they left half time. If you're going to go and support your team, I could be wrong, but has there? Uh, do you know NRL players who leave, who are not selected in the team, who go and watch their team, who leave at half time? Is is it a, a common thing? I when I got dropped, I didn't go to a couple of games. At all, but did you choice. ever go and watch half a game and leave? No, but that's so. What's what, what you're saying that going is worse than not going? I think going for half the time is worse than mm. not going at all. But that I guess it's my opinion I think is you've irrelevant. Got bigger, bigger questions to answer to the playing group rather than everyone else. I'm not making excuses for Josh Reynolds because, as I said, what he did was wrong and he should have stayed there. But Josh Reynolds, 
You saw Michael Maguire's press conference a few weeks ago and he said we're going to start looking at the future. Now, Benji's now no longer part of those plans and the obvious thing there is to blood Josh Reynolds because he's sticking around for another year. Not blood Josh, he's obviously old enough, but it's to play Josh Reynolds and get that combination working for next year. Now, Benji's not playing next year, so the club cannot disrespect Benji and drop him for the last four weeks. So Josh Reynolds, again, has been left out of the team because at the end of the day, we just want, the club is just trying to make sure Benji Marshall is sent off the way he deserves. It, it, it would be tough on Josh Reynolds sitting there knowing that he's probably going to have to wait three, four, well, till next year to get another crack. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough situation for sure. Okay, there's also talk about the extension of West Tigers coach Michael Maguire. Is that going to be uh, news within the week, the days? Yeah. No, look, it's, it's something that'll happen probably in the off-season, but the club want to back Michael Maguire and want him to know that he's part of their plans. Now, does that mean he doesn't have to revolve and change and try and tinker the way he coaches? Of course he's going to have to because things aren't working there at the moment. But from in, in terms of this player noise around the, you know, losing the dressing rooms and potentially moving on a coach, it won't happen at the West Tigers. They believe Michael Maguire is the right man for the job, regardless of all the noise that's coming from within inside the dressing room, outside the dressing room in the media. So in the off-season, they'll give him that extra year. He'll be there to at least the end of 2022. Now, I understand the decision in principle. It's probably the right decision. If you're going to stick with him, then show the players, show the fans that he's our man. I just think Michael Maguire needs to spend the off-season looking in the mirror and think, how can I improve to make sure I get the best out of these blokes? Because at the moment, he's not getting the best out of them. And both sides need to do it. You know, the players need to do it as well. And I think there needs to be... There'll have to be a, a kumbaya moment where they come together and get on the same page because another year, miss the finals, they're going to have to invest in Luke Brooks next year and build a game plan around Luke Brooks to make him successful. Mm. And if they can do that, then that squad will be able to be successful. But at the moment, uh, it's divided and you can see that. I know they won on the weekend, but for 75 minutes, it looked like it was going to be another disappointing loss. And I judged the whole season, Katie. I think that if you miss the eight, that is a failed season. And 15 teams don't win the comp every year, but it always seems like the West Tigers take two steps forward and four steps back. Mm, absolutely. OK, interesting point. Time to move on to sweet or sour. What have you got this week, Jamie? Yeah, look, it was um, a bit of sweet and sour in the Rabbitohs v Storm game the other night. Justin Olam's been in fantastic form, so that's the sweet part of it. But the sour part is he actually copped a stray knee uh, in the first half here from Bailey Siren, and, and that made me cringe at home, Katie, because he's been so good on that left hand side and uh, Chemis you see those incidents in the game and that was the soured part of the sweet mm. soured mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I just wanted to have a little bit of fun because I think he's been fantastic he's been a real improver on that left edge for the Melbourne Storm he and Pappenhausen's combination but when you see instances like that uh, it does make you a little bit soured inside doesn't make females very sour. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we find it hard to I oh, feel sorry gee, for I you. Fold it over in half. It doesn't <laughs> make females very sour. That's not nice about the bloke. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But Justin Ollum, you're right. He has been fantastic for Storm. All right, moving on. It is now time for this week's Casualty Award brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. Matter Eel Reid Marnie has suffered an AC joint injury with no time frame on his return. The hooker left the field in the second half and coach Brad Arthur said post-match the 22-year-old couldn't pass left to right. More disappointing news for Kieran Foran. The Bulldogs 5'8 was forced from the field with what was reportedly a torn peck. Now the club is waiting for scans to return and will confirm the extent of the injury hopefully within 24 hours. While fellow teammate Dylan Napa is unlikely to play again in 2020, the forward has done a grade two tear of his medial ligament in his left knee. 
Relief for the Raiders, Josh Papali has been cleared of any serious damage to his shoulder. It'll be monitored this week to see if he can line up against the Dragons on Saturday. Newcastle could rest Kalen Ponga this week. The fullback copped a broken nose and looked worse for wear following their win over Cronulla. Coach Adam O'Brien said he'll make the decision on Tuesday whether Ponga misses a game or just tinkers with his training load. To other injuries in round 17, the Seagulls confirm George Tafua is out for the remainder of the season with a calf injury, while Titans Brian Kelly and Jamin Jolliffe were both sent for scans on their ankle today. To a look at NRL players who are set for a return in round 18, and Brisbane could be boosted by the return of their skipper Alex Glenn, who is coming back from a knee injury, while a trio of Knights are back into the selection fold just in time for their clash against the reigning Premiers. The Roosters could also welcome back two of their own, Jake Friend and Mitchell Orbison. That's this week's Casualty Ward brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. It's now time for Hit or Miss. All right, and we're rolling things around the other way. I want you to watch a video before I hit you with the first question. It's been a rough few days. I never went out there to intentionally shoulder charge. Um, obviously, you know, with those 20 taps, Everything happened so quickly, and I was just competing and, and trying to do something good for my team. And um, obviously, you know, it came off the wrong way, which I, which I definitely do regret. You know, it's never a good feeling to, you know, miss games, especially when you're healthy and you're fit and you're ready to go. Was it worth it? Was it worth? It? I think it was worth. It gave you some context. Yeah, no, I appreciate the research okay. that you put into the show, Katie. That's actually good to hear from, from Chad Townsend. But... Oh, OK, I'll, now I'll hit you with the hit or miss <laughs> question. Uh, Chad Townsend deserved to be sent off for his hit on Kalen Ponga. <sighs> hit or miss? I know you don't like me sitting on the fence. I, I, I'm happy either way, honestly. Like if, if it, looked, it looked so... Like, it was one of the biggest hits I've ever seen. Like, and the fact that Chad Townsend was airborne as well, they were both airborne, it just... I get it. In the current rules, that's a send-off, I think so, but I would watch that over and over again. It's, it's good to see. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? You know what I mean? Like, it's no. physical. Miss. Really overreaction from the referee. And to send someone off, you need to be clear-cut in your own mind, uh, if you're the referee on the ground, that you are 100% going to send that person off. Don't confer with the bunker. Don't let it mix up. You make the decision right there because what we're seeing there, we see it in slow motion and we see the nose stuff fly out. And, yeah, I disagree that I think it was a shoulder charge, penalty, 10 minutes in the bin. 10 minutes in the bin. That's Overreaction with the suspension. I think one game would have been enough. You think back to earlier in the year, Nathan Brown actually shoulder charged Dallin Montini Zelezniak. He got 10 minutes in the bin. Didn't get sent off at all. Like, what's the difference? What's the difference there? That's a, a front rower on a on a back on a winger. Mm. What's the difference between that and Chad's? Yeah. Only because we slowed it down and because it was Kalen Ponga and he plays the game so tough, Kalen. He's copped a lot of head knocks this year and stuff like that. But I just think overreaction from the referee and overreaction. Look, if you watch it at full pace, you get one and a half seconds to make a decision there with those tw quick twenty taps. Uh, yeah, I'm not. It looked worse because Kalen stopped because of the referee. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, but is it any worse than what we just saw with Dallin? No. Right. If Kalen was, was running full tilt, there, would, there wouldn't have been the contact that no. was made then. It wouldn't have... But Kalen's seen the referee out of the corner of his eye. And I've spoken to Chad about this. I rang him this morning. I wanted an explanation as to what he was thinking. He saw... Kalen's seen the referee out of the corner of his eye, put his hands up and stop it. Mm. Chad's already made the decision to come up and try and put a big hit on. Yes, he got it wrong, but I, I think overreaction. It's tough, isn't it? And his first game back after his hamstring injury, another three out now. But moving on, Sonny Bill showed he will have an impact come finals time. Hit or miss? Hit. Yeah. 
I saw some touches from Sonny Bill the other night to show that he's going to be a real, uh, I guess, X-factor in this final series. You think about coming back in. I know people said, look, he was, he was blowing and, you know, the first stint and blah, blah, blah. But I look forward to he and Tedesco combining through the middle with offloads. And he has a touch a little bit later where he puts Sosiwa Tokiaho through a hole through the middle. And that's what they've missed with Victor Radley being out, Chemis. They have missed a link guy there to be able to move the middle around a little bit especially with no Jake Friend, I think he's going to be a huge plus for the Roosters. Yeah, I agree. It's a hit for me. If he'd, if he'd started back in the NRL a week out from the finals, I'd say maybe a waste of time. But you're giving the guy a month to get ready. He'll be in good nick come finals time. And that's all he's there for. He's he, in great nick now. Yes, but he My was goodness. blowing. He couldn't add too much to that Roosters yeah, team. Right. He had to, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. In four weeks' time, but he's not here to play 50, 60 minutes. No. If he comes on in that second, second half with a 20-minute cameo and the audacity of the bloke to flow, throw an offload with his first touch of the game... Like, oh. He's going he's gonna to cause some trouble through the middle of the field if he plays in the middle. So it's a big hit for me. Awesome. I think it's a big hit for a lot of people. All right, Raiders must make Papali a Raider for life. Just for some context, it's been reported that he's homesick and potentially wants to move to a club in Queensland. We only heard Ricky Stewart a week ago saying that they wanted to re-sign the Raider for life. He's a favourite son. Um, Michael, is this a hit or miss for you? Well, if he's genuinely homesick, I'm not sure. I haven't spoken to, to Canberra in regards to the legitimacy of those stories. But if he's genuinely homesick, Ricky's not the sort of guy, as we've seen with John Bateman, that he's going to stand in Josh Papali's way. But I think there's, yeah, there's a romanticism around Josh Papali finishing his career at the Raiders. He's been such a great servant for that club. And to be honest with you, he's probably the most improved player in the NRL over the last two years. He, he was on the NRL scrap heap a couple of years ago. He was that unfit and looked like he'd finished his career in reserve grade. He's now... The Premier, if not in the top two, is the Premier front row in the game. So, yeah, they should keep him, for, for, keep him at the club till he's decided his time is up. Well, that's going to be the decision of he and his family. I think you can put a life contract to him, whether it's an extension on the contract he's already got now. But if he's dead set on ready on going home to Queensland, I don't think anyone will be able to stand in his way. You may be able to work out a player swap to sort of soften that blow because he is such a Premier forward. So try your best, Raiders, but it'll be up to him and his family. Yeah, OK. Good point there. All right, it's time for your power rankings, Jamie. This week's NRL Power Rankings see the Melbourne Storm after an impressive win on Friday night against the Rabbitohs stay in the number two spot. I think they're a little bit off the pace at the moment, but they're in third gear. They're still priming themselves for a tilt at this Premiership. Yeah, they look good, the Storm. And I'll tell you what, Sal, I'm not sure if you agree, but that little period where a few of their players had time off for injury, I think that's a blessing in disguise for the Melbourne Storm. They've come back rejuvenised, refreshed, and they'll make a real play at this Premiership in the later weeks. Well, that's what I mean. They're a little bit off the pace to start the other night. Then they get an opportunity and they tear down that left-hand side. Pappenhausen's been fantastic but Cameron Munster for me he's been quiet still doing his job that's a real problem for the competition in a month or so time the Cronulla Sharks had an important game on the weekend against the Newcastle Knights but failed to turn up disappointing performance and that just sums up the Sharks season they probably shouldn't be in the eight hour. They've been that bad against the top teams that they you could argue they don't deserve to be there. The draw has been so favourable to the Sharks that they will be there. But the Warriors are a far better football team than what the Sharks are and they're four points outside the eight. So they're very lucky at the moment, the Sharks. John Morris under a little bit of pressure as well because the side hasn't been able to perform back-to-back -back weeks and get those performances up. And without Johnson over the last three weeks, they've, they've really struggled, the Sharks. They had to find their form and find it quick. The West Tigers had a memorable win at Brookvale over the weekend, but for me, a wasted opportunity this year in 2020. David Nofaluma, Dewey as well, have been fantastic. But when you talk about the inconsistencies of this side, 
it's a good enough side to be in the eight, but they just can't do it week to week. They can't, and they didn't do it for 80 on the weekend. Obviously, it came back in those last 10 minutes to snatch victory. I like Moses Zembai at fullback, though. I think they've probably found something there with Moses going forward. But the Tigers, you just leave your head scratching your head. It's just where is that all the time? If they can bottle it and produce it for 80 minutes, they'll, they'll climb up your rankings, Sowie. They'll be up there. Ninth again this year for the Tigers? I don't think they'll get that high, unfortunately, for the Tigers. Mm. Keep an eye out for the NRL Power Rankings every Monday on NRL.com. Thanks, Jamie. Now to our next guest, the co-founder of Got You For Life, Gus Wallen. Thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Now, some pretty exciting news. Um, NRL State of Mind have partnered with Got You For Life for our audience who are unsure of what that is. What is it? Yes, yeah, so State of Mind's been around for a couple of years now. You would have seen the ads on the telly, don't stay on the sideline, make sure you look after your mates. And uh, they've got a wonderful program and we've got some wonderful programs as well at Gotcha for Life called Tomorrow Man and Tomorrow Woman and Accidental Counselor. And we thought, well, let's put all the suite of products together and work together on this. It's the toughest game on the planet um, and we need to get us ourselves and everyone involved in the game mentally fit, just like they are physically fit. So let's combine together and get out to the NRL community and try to get everyone realising it's OK to bumble along, it's OK not to be OK and get themselves a bit more mentally tougher and fitter. Gus, you've been in and around rugby league circles for a while now. How has the perception of this changed over the years? Because quite a few athletes have come out and spoken about that it's OK to, to speak out and, and to obviously come forward if you're struggling. Has that changed over the years? Oh, definitely. Awareness is definitely out there now, and I love the fact that awareness is there, but it's time now action behind the awareness. I think everyone understands we've got a massive problem, not just in the game of rugby league, but in Australia, in fact, the whole planet. The number one way to die if you're an Australian male age between 15 and 44 is suicide. So if you just think about that for a moment, that stat and how sad that is, we're not doing something right. And the old school rules of, she'll be right, mate, give, just keep giving it to me, giving it to me, and I'll keep taking it on. Well, it's obviously not working. And burying your emotions is something we need to change. So we need as many programs out in the community as possible to stop that, build mental fitness and get those suicide rates down to zero and get people feeling better between their melons because uh, I reckon it's going to get even worse after the government turn off the tap uh, after this COVID situation. Gus, you talk about now is the time for action. How proud of you were Greg Inglis and that story that we saw last week because having bumbled through life myself at certain stages, it always helps when someone of that stature comes out and speaks about their own problems and makes you sort of feel OK to speak up yourself. That's exactly right, Sal. That's 100% right. And someone like, uh, like Greg is just, you know, one of the ornaments of the game, a much-loved Indigenous player in particular, and the numbers for the Indigenous youth are much worse uh, than the stats I've already given you. So uh, people like Greg standing up and saying it's OK not to be OK, and I'm looking for support and I am bumbling through my life, it just gives everyone else a chance to go, well, if Greg's feeling that way and everything that he's about, well, that gives me the permission to be actually be that way as well and not have all the answers and not live in this perfect social media world. So it could be nothing more important than ornaments of the game, Kim stepping up and saying the same thing. So I'm looking for as many of those blokes as possible. Jake Tavoyevich and Benji Marshall are both ambassadors for Gotcha. And you couldn't get, in Jake's case, a more tougher bloke on the field. You know, brilliant player, hard nut, but the softest, loveliest bloke 
off the field and young kids can look at him and go, well, I don't have to be tough everywhere. I just have to be tough when it needs, to, when I need to be and I can be a little softer outside of that and that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. Gus, for our NRL audience who is watching and wanting to know where they can go for some advice, what would you say to them? Oh, look, the, the, in terms of this type of product, obviously NRL.com is the best and obviously gotyouforlife.org. But I always say to people, just find someone in your life who has got you for life. That's why I called the uh, foundation Got You For Life. Someone who knows where what's going on in your life. You're not putting on the mask. You're not putting on the armour around them. You've just got someone in your life that you don't have to BS to and you don't have to put the mask on with so you're totally real with them. They're not going to judge you. They'll love you no matter what. And it's talking talking about turning a mate to a friend, having a real relationship, getting that little bit deeper so you can ring them and let them know how they feel because we know, especially us blokes, if we are bumbling things around in our own heads, it is trouble. You know, we're not coming up with good ideas and good plans. So let's find someone in your life that's got you for life and, um, and have that deeper, meaningful, deeper conversation when you need it. Gus, uh, I wanted to know if you'd forgiven the man next to me because <laughs> all those years, I know it was a long time ago, but he played a big part in your, the artwork on your body over the years. Can you talk me about Jamie Soward in that moment he kicked the field goal? Because I'm sure you can't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 2014, um, I was actually up on Mount Kosciuszko with MG, uh, Mark Burrows, the Panther legend, and Sowie at the time was carving them up at the Panthers, and they played a semi against the, the Roosters, and we had this bet on whether or not, uh, on a full tattoo on whether or not Penrith would win or not, and I now have on, at the base of my back or at the top of my bum a seven-year-old drawing of a cat that's meant to be a panther <laughs> by MG's daughter because Sowie knocked over that field goal to win the game for us. Good on you, Sowie. You played you, you played beautifully and Jersey Flegg hit the great field goal to win a grand final and I remember you carved us up in a Anzac Day game 30-0 when you are at the Dragons and uh, mate, you had a brilliant career so congratulations to you, big fella. Yeah, thanks, Gus. You're making me blush, which is quite hard. I uh, appreciate that. <laughs> hey, uh, just quickly before we let you go, Sonny Bill Williams made his return to the Roosters on the weekend. I actually loved what I saw from Sonny in his 14 minutes on the field. It gives your side a huge lift. Do you feel like the momentum's starting to build for a three-peat? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, that was a that game for me was brilliant. I knew he wouldn't play a huge part, but it's just having him around the club. I mean, Robbo said it, plenty of other people have said it. He just sets really, really good standards. So he's fantastic to have around. And uh, he's going to have gotcha for life across the back of his jersey, not next week, but the week after and every other week until we either go to three-peat or get knocked out because uh, of his uh, beliefs. He can't have a, uh, a betting um, relationship. So he's decided on Gotcha for Life as his charity partner. He's actually giving us $10,000 of his own money to go into a school in the eastern suburbs um, to put in the mental fitness program. So um, very, very excited that Sonny's back and the fact that he's selected Gotcha for Life as his charity partner. And uh, you know him well. He's a big man. He's a lovely man, but so humble and great to have him as part of the Roosters and Gotcha for Life. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible and love that he's giving back to this great game. And uh, Gus, well, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing with Gotcha for Life and, of course, partnering with NRL State of Mind. It's not going unnoticed and uh, we know how important it is. So thank you once again. Thanks, guys. Love the show. And thanks very much for having me on. And thanks for supporting Gotcha for Life and State of Mind. And would love you guys involved if you'd like to be uh, further down the track.
Yeah, he's a great man and I'm sure we all have to jump on board that because it is a great cause, isn't it, working with NRL State of Mind there. But before we uh, do wrap things up, it is now time for Champ or Chump. And this week, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a trifecta of chumps. And starting with our very own Michael Chambers, you feature this week. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Um, Katie. For yesterday, both of you. Sorry, Jamie, you as well. (laughs) Uh, But um, Michael, now your son Ollie filled in Uh and and gave us some great insights into... (laughs) Your father. And one of these ones was, uh, I can't read. If, if Daddy, Daddy was, was su- an animal, which one would he be? A cat, because they are small. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ollie. I'll transfer you that money later. When his preschool teacher gave me that on, on Friday, I was, I was reading, I was quite, you know, I was emotional. And then I got to that bit and I said, kid, we're not going to the park after yeah. that. <laughs> Straight home. We've caught, Straight him home. Lot, we've caught him a lot worse behind his back. Don't worry about it. I that. also like the one about your hair as well. Black because you're older. And you, you do love your hair, dudes. You yeah. come in each week with a fresh fade. So <laughs> you'll say, oh, a few more greys. Yeah. At least you said it was a compliment there. That's right. It was I'll black. take that. Chat was <laughs> the cat. The second one was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, one of our NRL colleagues, Zach Bailey, I want you two to vote whether he's a goose or a goose. Well, this is a great goosey. <laughs> One to ten, where do you rate that? Uh, you said it was going to be chumps. My man's a champ. I'll never bag Zach Stop. Bailey. On. No, he's a champ. Oh, he's going to love that. Love the goosey. Uh, and he had the right uh, liquid. To be fair, well. I did think it was a great goosey, but I, I just feel like we need to chump. It's more interesting than that. I love the, the golf attire. Look, I'm going to champ Zach. Oh, yeah, he's a champion. Yeah, we're going to champ him. Yeah, we only chump you, Katie, unfortunately, sometimes. YTB, eh? Well, yeah, the boys. It's all <laughs> no, about keeping the boys together. together. Right. Well, You're I think right. I saved the best till last anyway. This is Josh Maguire on the weekend. So excited that the Cowboys, Valentine Hobbs had obviously kicked in Golden Point to win the match. And this is Josh Maguire going over. He wanted to celebrate with Adam G, the referee. <laughs> Getting donuts. <laughs> so we even put it to, to Graham Mannersley today just to double check because he did touch the ref, Adam G, there, and I didn't know if he was oh, maybe no. going to get a week. Hey, you never We've know. We had worse. to put the we question to him. But no, he's not going to get in trouble for that. I did think that was awesome, though. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good to see the Cowboys win. I would like to have heard the running battle throughout the game that led yeah. up to Josh Maguire going up to him and, and giving him the... Well, didn't get a high five, but he didn't. Josh Maguire he was one of the chirpiest guys on the field. It would have been fascinating to hear. Would you have liked to have seen Adam G celebrate with him? Yeah, I'll, I, I kind of thought it was funny either way, but it would have been nice if... Yeah, you, I think so. COVID rules, you can't touch it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> Champ. <laughs> All right, well, uh, not uh, tomorrow at 3.55, Zach Bailey is back for NRL teams. He might even replay that goosey if the audience is lucky enough. Uh, Brett Kamali, Robbie Farrah back for all of the round 18 action there. So make sure you're on the NRL app, the website, or of course the Facebook live stream. And just a reminder, uh, don't forget to vote for your favourite try of round 17. You can go to nrl.com and that's all thanks to Drinkwise. Ah, shout out quickly. Sorry. Yes, uh, my grandma was cooked last week, so hopefully you get better. And my wife gives birth on Friday. So yeah, thanks babe for sacrificing your body and I look forward to meeting our little girl Friday. She does very well. She looks fantastic, pregnant. Uh, good luck with all that, Maddie. And Indy's going to have a sister. And I've yes. got a shout-out just for all the South Sydney Rabbitohs women's team. Um, I was requested for the rehab group. Love the rehab group. Love everyone in there. We're out of the season. Uh, we lost 24-0 in the elimination final. But love you all very much. Um, and hopefully we can do big things in 2021. Well, and that's it. Do you have a shout-out? No, Katie. I, uh, I'll wrap it up there, I think. <laughs> Oh, did you want to? Did you want to wrap it up? No, you know what I say. I might take your job actually one day. You know what I say. Okay. Well, until next Monday, have a good one.
How's that left foot going to go here? It's fine as well. What an effort. Wow. How has he done that? Forward. Nobody really keen to make a play it for the Bulldogs. It bounces for Thompson. It puts a second kick in. Over the head of Meany. Charging through. Don is there. Not tackled. Play on. It looks good. Is Don is good. Can you believe that play? This is going to be the most unlikely of tries. Could have used six more as well, but they might come up with something here now. Moses Embai, Adam Dewey, pushing away from Hopewadi. Needs to get rid of it. Still going though, Dewey. Now finds Brooks. Now Grant. Here's Garner. Oh, they had him shot. Grant. Lailua. Gone for Luba. Touch back. Harris Tavita. Now two of us are Sheck. Basketball's over the top. If they pass it again, they score there. Perham keeps it alive. Back to Harris Tavita. He goes a long, long ball that bounced. Then Harris uh, got the pass away. Hiku with a step. He keeps it alive. Back to Katie Nicarima. Are you serious? Nicarima 